squeeze it in everywhere I can, even when it doesn't seem like it mixes, but best believe Christ is in everything because he's in me. So. <laughs> We're going to share a little bit of our story um, and just how we've seen God work in it and continue to work in it. Well, and we, we decided to, to call what we're talking about kind of the overarching theme is called choosing joy. And all of us can relate with that. We've all been through various suffering and trials and persecutions or whatever that looked like in our lives. And it's really joy is a choice because we know that God, all of his plans are good and that he is working out all things to be beautiful in its time. And as tough and, and as confusing as things may be, sometimes we know that the end result, and sometimes we get to see those end results where it's like, oh, God, thank you for that. And I see the good now. Sometimes we don't and probably won't until we actually see him face to face and understand that everything is good. So that's why we wanted to go that route with this talk. So uh, we've been married, married 11 years this February. Like I'm sure most married couples, you get married and you have a plan for your life. You're going to do this, 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 and this. And we thought about five years in, we would start our family, grow our family, I should say. And so about five years in, we started trying. And that's when the journey led to, to kind of where we're at now. Yeah, I think when we first started trying for a family, I had just this like inkling, like this is going to be something that's a struggle. I just thought of it. And I don't know if I was talking myself out of it or being a mental case about it, which I tend to be. Um, but I went to the doctor six months in and I said, give me all the tests about infertility tests. I want to know because I just have a feeling that something's not going to be right. She's like, give it a year just, you know, before you do all this stuff. So we started doing testing and um, trying to figure out what was going on. Four years in, we still had unexplained infertility. and. Um, We'd done all the super invasive, as invasive as you can be, um, exams and no answers. And, and a little bit of that was hopeful because you're like, okay, they're saying everything's fine. So maybe it's just in God's timing, try and relax and, and all that. Um, I have, have struggled in the past with anxiety issues and disorders. And so this for me was a crazy thing to deal with because it's one of the one things in this life we really have no control over. Like, and I tried to get the con control in every area you could do. I mean, just embarrassing things. And um, I mean, I was every single month that we got to no, know, I said, that was my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And um, it was starting to like wear on me and um, make me physically sick. I think I'm still dealing with the repercussions of just that time and all of the um, stress that it put on my body. Um, so four years into just, you know, trying to relax and hearing, you know, just trying to trust in God's timing. We finally got a diagnosis 
um, from a specialist that I have something called um, diminished ovarian reserve. That was nice. It was nice to hear something, you know, and I said, okay, like, I just want to know something because it was just cra making me crazy. Within like a, two minutes of them telling us that I had this and I was just trying to process it and they said, your, your only shot at pregnancy really is um, to do in vitro fertilization. And that's, and they, they whisked us to this room within two minutes and they were giving me the package deals and I was like, no, what, no, like, you know, it was just way too much. And we had said, when we talked about how far we were willing to go, um, in our convictions, we both were like, we're gonna draw the line at in vitro, like that's not something we're at this time wanting to do for the two of us. Though when I was faced with that decision, like they're telling me that your only chance of being pregnant is to do IVF, Potentially I thought. being pregnant, it's not even guaranteed. Maybe we could try, <laughs> you know, like, cause at that point I'm just like, the fact that I could never be pregnant was crazy thought to me. So I, I started making little exceptions in my mind. Well, maybe if we do it like this, or maybe if we do it like that, so. Which is not a cheap process, if none of you know. It's not like it's just, you know, give it a try, you know, a couple thousand dollars here and there. No, it's, it's quite a bit of money. And I know for some people it isn't that much of a burden, but for us, we were like, you know, and not for, for sure, yes. Um, and so I think in that moment, like, we both knew, for us, for multiple reasons, choosing adoption was both financially responsible and just, it made us feel at peace in the moment we, just, we chose, we decided to choose that. And, we didn't choose it for a few months. I kind of was wrestling with it and trying to kind of get him on the IVF board a little bit, <laughs> though I don't know if I really was. I was just trying to figure things out. And he was so against it that I knew this is not for us. <laughs> like, you know, if he had been more open to it, I might have been. And so we went to dinner one night and we said, we have to- Oh wait, to... Wait, let's back up. So okay. <laughs> the, the whole adoption thing, the idea of adoption, the thought of what that looks like for our family was completely off my radar my entire life, even as we started trying. And it wasn't until we had went to, a, how long into our marriage was that? South African missions trip. Uh, we served in an orphanage. And when I was- Like three, four, it was like three years into it. Into okay. You know, and I thought adoption was great. People who adopt, that's awesome. You guys are, you're, you're better than me. It's just not something that I can do personally. Um, <laughs> it just seemed hard. Like. Yeah, yeah, just, there's too many questions, too many unknowns, all that stuff. And, but then when, you, when you're there and you see these children that all they want is a family, you know, and it's just like, wait a second, that's what adoption looks like. That's the face of a child that needs a family. So uh, why do you do that I don't every know. time? I can't know. He's telling that story every time. <laughs> um, and I've never, I can never not do this every time I talk about that. Um, but on the way, I remember distinctly, we didn't really talk about it. There was no conversations about adoption at that point. It was just something that had clicked in my heart. And uh, by the way, by so at the time we were flying home, something in me, and I swear it was, it was God's voice saying, you guys are going to adopt first. And I didn't know what that meant exactly. I'm like, I mean, I'm totally up for adoption. That sounds great. Um, and I, don't, I think that I'd tell you on the plane at that point that, you know, I think I'm open to adoption. Or I want to adopt or something. Well, yeah, he went into it so close off to it. And I remember praying in my prayer journal on the way over saying, if we're going to do this, you need to change his heart completely in it because I'm not going to go into it on my own. Why did you have to start the waterworks? It's like, <laughs> I can't hear him cry because then it makes me cry. Um, so, and I don't typically work with like, if God, you do this, then I'll do that because I don't think that's safe at all. But um, in this sense, I knew that we needed to be a team in this decision. And so because he was changed so much by the, um, the kids and he was like, I want to adopt we had fallen in love with a little like one-year-old girl and then a 14-year-old girl. 
And yeah, he's we like, would have taken them both with us home that, that on that trip if we could have. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I'd like both of, both of them. I was yeah. like, what? You went into this? Like, like, let's take some steps back. Um, yeah, so he obviously had been changed by it, which was awesome. Um, and then at that point, we just, once we made the decision together to, to pursue adoption, it wasn't easy after that. I mean, we just start. We didn't know what to do. We had, we're clueless about it, where to still, start. Still, he was like, "Yeah, we're open to adoption, but first let's start having our biological children, and then we'll look at adoption later." You know, it's like it still just seems it's still unfamiliar. It still seems scary. So let's go the route that seems easy and, and more natural than anything else. You know, so we were fighting it still. Yeah. Well, and when infertility is part of your story, you're dealing with so much like mourning just of that yeah. that it's hard to start the hard process of adoption without bringing in all your emotions of dealing with your own hurts and your own issues with not being able to carry children. So it was like a process of just kind of healing and um, mourning a, a loss, you know, a certain loss um, and moving on to something new. So um, we started working with an agency and just started filling out paperwork. So I mean, fast forward all the way where she's where I interrupted her the first time. <laughs> um, of how, okay, we're, we are, are going to do the IVF, the, the, the IVF treatment, and we were sitting down after that doctor's appointment, and we say, okay, what's the next step for us? What does this look like? Do we go this route, or do we start the adoption process? And it was in that, we were sitting at Schwackburger in Dana Point, and we were talking, and, when we, and we were going to meet friends just like a little bit after this, this little talk, and, and we decided, you know what, let's adopt, let's start the process. And I think we both felt that it felt, literally felt like this like weight and cloud was just lifted off, and it felt just great it felt like god was like thank you now let's do this you know this is what i have planned for you guys now let's go i had ordered the ahi tuna salad and i remember i had like flooded it with my tears yeah we're sitting in shwack just crying and, and like, joyfully crying <laughs> okay so then we started the adoption process and we were doing paperwork and we really still had no i not a lot of ideas of how it all worked just we're starting to make steps of faith and just moving in a direction. We didn't have any finances for it. We didn't have any anything. We just said, we feel like this is what's supposed to happen, so we're gonna make small steps, take small steps. And then only about two months into this, still doing paperwork and all that kind of stuff, we got a call from Steven's sister, and she, um, they're half siblings, they share, they share a mom. Um, and we, we weren't close with her at all. We, I had seen her twice since we had been married. And, we're like 16 um, years apart. 16 years apart, so huge age difference. And she called us and I'm, I, I heard have, you guys are you know, looking to adopt and... You guys will be able to adopt the baby because I can only imagine going through this if it's a family member. And we were like, I mean, I was, I was thinking, no. Because as much as it seemed like this was just put in front of me, I also was out of control of it completely again. And I was like, no, this well, isn't, wasn't how it was supposed to be. Exactly, how, unpred <laughs> how unpredictable. How unpredictable adoption can be, this was still completely out of left field. You couldn't have guessed this, you couldn't have planned it. And part of adoption, part of the scary part for people and me when we were starting out was birth families and open adoption and what that all looks like. And um, now you're telling me it's a family member who's, you know, and everyone's going to feel included and involved in the situation. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, yes. You know, I, of course we had to say yes because it was clear that this was part of our story. Even if she was, you know, decided to parent then, we had to say yes. We said yes, she was only two months pregnant, so we had a really long journey before she had the baby, and we, we had her live with us for a while. Last two months. While she was pregnant, we wanted to get to know her better, we wanted her to see our family and how we did life, and so she could feel peace about her decision and all that, so, so then Eli was born, <laughs> and uh, he's now three, and some of the redemption quality in that story was that Lacey, his birth mom, 
was on a real bad path at this time. Like she said, after she had Eli, it totally changed everything for her. She said, I don't want him to grow up one day and like know me and be ashamed of me. So I want to change my life. So she, she just graduated, got her bachelor's degree. She got a, she just got a full-time job as like an Which, by the way, is the most educated that any side of my family is. <laughs> yeah, more than both of us. So we're like, how is this? This is strange. Um, so, and she got a full-time job. She just got a house. It's, it's, you never hear that part of, you know, the story. And you can see God's hand blessing her in her life right now. And it's, it's, it's a great thing to see. Yeah. And yeah, we are just, I, we feel like she's ours as well. Like we, we work, we talk all the time. We're sending, we see her probably like every four months. And we, we're sending her constant pictures and constant updates and encouraging her and talking because we just love her. And so Eli's three. So about when he was around two, we started the, our next adoption process. We felt ready again, yeah. With a, an, an agency. And this one went normal or, I mean, typical. <laughs> and we were chosen by a birth mom who really just looked up through profile books and chose our family. Which it took about nine months. We had various situations presented to us that just didn't quite feel right and then it was like a long time of didn't hear anything but from any birth mom or any you know nothing presented and then then this one came along and everything just seemed like it was the timing was good and everything we were just trying to raise money all that time slowly but surely it was going to be about five times as much as, as Eli's adoption and so because adoption yeah adoption is so super expensive and we had none of that to start and so that was another thing like Whenever I try and tell couples who are in the beginning stages who said, we just don't have money. And I said, neither did we. But we just, you know, it, and God provided every single cent of that. Not, none of that came out of our pockets. It was just so encouraging to see. like it, And that's a cool part of adoption, too, is that we see our community rally around us. And it was not just about us in that point. It was about everyone watching. That part gets me. Uh, <laughs> take it on. <laughs> just to see the church act like the church. And it's a great thing to see. And, and family and everyone just pulling together, too. Do what? Yes, it's a burden and the paperwork stinks and all the stuff you got to do, but we're bringing home this child into a family that's now going to be our family for the rest of their life, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful uh, depiction of, of the church and us loving each other and serving alongside each other. And we didn't know how much adoption was going to grip us just in general. So since we've <laughs> adopted our children, we've been traveling around the country, going to different um, conferences and speaking events and learning more and more just not about because we did we have did domestic infant adoption which is specific but learning about international adoption and all different kinds and um just how it's like gripped us to be advocates for it we feel like we didn't expect that side of it but just wanting to give a voice to people who, to children who don't have a voice and um and just taking in any opportunity to talk about it too is yeah you know, something we didn't think we'd be doing yeah. and which you guys probably understand i'm a part of a, a group of women who all either have gone through infertility or adoption and a little like a small group and uh, we meet once a month and that support group has been I've met some of my best friends from there and I'm like I'm grateful for infertility for that group like <laughs> like I mean that's one of the main like I'm so grateful for it because of these certain friends that I've made through this just grateful for so many reasons and it's weird to be grateful for something that caused you so much pain but take it on <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's in a nutshell, as not Shelly as you can get, is, is our uh, story of adopting our two beautiful children who we are crazy obsessed with. And who, they literally have rashes on their cheeks because I can't stop kissing them. <laughs> yeah. It all makes sense when you look at their little yeah. faces. <laughs> um, but we thought, I mean, we're actually making good time, so we thought we would, we would end with some songs that are actually kind of real pertinent to these 
these kind of situations. And, and we, Lauren was, even when I told her that where we're talking, what we're talking about, she's like, well, that's kind of weird. It's not like we're talking to a bunch of uh, infertility uh, people who <laughs> need to be encouraged in some words. But, but you know, the, the, the overarching theme of all this, again, is choosing joy. And that's with any aspect in our lives. And we're going to continue to face various trials and, and, and sufferings and temptations until we finally get to be with him and rest with him. And so there's a couple songs. This song is called Every Day. And the lyrics go something like this. In your grace, you know where I walk. You know when I fall. You know all my ways. In your love, I know you allow what I cannot grasp to bring you praise. The chorus is, thank you for the trials. Thank you for the fire. And thank you for the pain. Thank you for the strength, knowing that you have ordained every day. And so that kind of theme, that regardless of what you've been through, People have been, I mean, we're talking about a, a story where there was a lot of suffering but ended in some great victory. Some people just, just go through things that, 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 that rock them for maybe even their whole lives, and they're going to be constantly uh, turning to Christ for comfort and, and joy. So you know, being able to sing these songs out, which I think God people write these kind of songs where we can rejoice in Christ in our suffering. In your grace, you know where I walk. You know when I fall. You know all my way. In your love, I know you allow what I cannot grasp to bring you praise. Thank you for the trials, for the fire, for the pain. Thank you for the strength, knowing you have ordained every day, every day, every day, every day. Your great power shown when I'm weak, help me to see. In this place, perfect peace is filling my mind and drawing my heart to praise you again. Thank you for the trials, for the fire, for the pain. Thank you for the strength, knowing you. Ordained every day, every day, every day, every day. In my uncertainty, in my uncertainty, your word is all I need to know you're with me every day. In my uncertainty, your word is all I need to know you're with me every day. You're with me every day. Thank you for the trials, for the fire, for the pain. Thank you for the strength. 
day. Thank you. And thank you for the trials, for the fire, for the pain. Thank you for the strength, knowing you have ordained every day. Every day, every day, every day. That's our story, we're sticking to it. <laughs>